Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I'm preaching a message entitled, No One Cares for My Soul. And the reason I feel like the Lord laid this in my spirit, I believe even this morning there were some people that came to the altar. And some of you did not come that you need to hear this word because right now you are in a place that you feel like nobody cares. That's a dangerous place. That's a vulnerable place. How many of you know that's when the devil will take advantage of you? How many of you know that's when you'll make a stupid decision? Amen, Pastor. Good preaching. Come on. When you get to that point you don't feel like anybody cares, then you, you lose your sense of judgment sometimes. So I feel like so strong the Lord wanted me to preach this. And I'm preaching. I want you to turn there because I'm going to preach this whole little psalm. I will refer to it. So get your Bibles, whether it's electronic or physical. You should always bring your Bible to church. And open to Psalm 142. Psalm 142. And I want to read verse 4. Psalm 142. So go almost to the end of Psalms. There are 150 Psalms. Verse 4, David wrote this. I'll be talking about David here this morning. He said, look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. Look at this. This is in the Bible. Look at this. No one cares for my soul. Nobody cares about me. Have you ever felt that way? Let me ask you something more specific. Have you ever had someone turn on you? Let's just have a show of hands. Anybody, anybody ever been betrayed? Boy, it hurts, doesn't it? I've had it happen. It's, it's horrible. Have you watched in amazement as a beautiful friendship morphed into intense animosity? And you're scratching your head going, how in the world did we get to this place? Have you been in a place where the betrayal consequently has made your life absolutely miserable? That's what happened to David. David, most people would have said, was lucky. He killed Goliath. He fell into great favor with King Saul. Became his best warrior. Top guy. And then he went and married King King Saul's daughter. Now he's the son-in-law of the king. He's in the family. Guy's got it made. Until one day Saul realized that his son-in-law was more popular than he was. And his ego messed him up. And the love and the admiration he had for David turned into jealousy and hatred. And from that day on, he spent the rest of his life trying to kill the man who married his daughter. So David ran. David spent a good part of his life until he became king running, trying to live. And what I just told you apparently is the context of this psalm. 
if you even noticed, sometimes the Psalms have a subtitle. And this one says, a contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. In the cave. So you have to go back to 1 Samuel and those books and try to find out, well, when was David in a cave? And you find it in 1 Samuel 22. David was hiding from Saul, who was chasing him with an army, trying to kill him. He was hiding in the cave of Adullam. Let me paint the picture for you. He is alone with no one to stand with him, no one to give him advice, give him encouragement. No one is there offering him assistance. He's all by himself. No one wants to listen to him talk about what he is going through. Yep, guys, he's a strong warrior. Yep, he's got a strong faith in God. I mean, look at all the Psalms and look at his life. But at this particular moment, none of that mattered. Anybody in this house see where I'm going with this? Loving Jesus, living for Jesus, you're strong in your faith, you're a strong man, you're an accomplished, strong woman. But you reach a point in life, man, none of that matters. You just feel so alone. That's David. He's at the lowest point he's ever been in his life. He's overwhelmed by what life is throwing at him. Let me ask you again, can anyone in this house relate? Have you ever felt that way? If you haven't, just keep on breathing. Because it's going to happen. And it'll hurt. You'll reach a place in life, and there may be some people now, that you're burdened by trauma in your family. You're drained because people keep pulling on you and taxing you. They take and they take and they take and they take, but they never give. Talked to a woman yesterday who used to go to this church. She moved, or she would still be going to this church, but she still works in Anderson, but she moved off. And we were, so I see her in this business, so we always talk because I, I was her pastor. I think she still considers me her pastor. And we were talking, and she has a mother with dementia, and she, has to, she lives with her, and she has to give her constant care, and she's got a sister, and her sister hardly ever helps. She feels alone. If you have to answer one more question, solve one more problem, be in one more argument, be on the defensive one more time, you're going to explode. Does anybody relate? I think David said something interesting in verse 7. He said, God, that's why I wanted you to keep your Bibles open. Look at verse 7. Bring my soul out of prison. He wasn't in prison. He was in a cave. So the cave wasn't the prison. His situation was the prison. And I'm telling you, because I've been there, one of the worst feelings in the world is the feeling of being trapped in a negative situation and you want to get out, but you can't. You've heard me say my little psychological psychology uh, mantra and formula that I use with you, that when you are faced with a crisis in life, you will do one of four things. You will either flee, fight, freeze, or you will formulate a plan. That flight mode is usually the number one, the top of the list. I want to get out of this. But you can't. You want to be free from the stress and the tension and the relational strife, perhaps, but there is nowhere to go. It's a prison. You're stuck. 
We all endure experiences that are too much for us. You're having problems with your kids. Your marriage is not good. A tragedy has struck your life. Worse yet, this is when it really gets good, multiple things happen to you. And the old saying comes to life, when it rains, it pours. And maybe you're in spiritual warfare. That's never fun. So I'm going to be honest today, and I think you will be able to relate with me. I'm a grown man, okay? But I'm going to be honest with you. When I go through these periods, I want somebody to pamper me. care how big and tough you are, sir, but you feel the same way. Where's my mama? Because your mama always pamper. Well, most mamas. Well, some mamas won't pamper you. But most mamas will pamper you. What do I mean by that? I, 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 want, <laughs> I want a little attention. I want somebody to focus on me. And what I'm going through, I want somebody to, to ask me and sincerely, how you doing? What's going on? I want a pep talk. I want an attaboy. You'd be amazed how you can just keep going if somebody will just give you an attaboy. A word of encouragement. I want, you know, I, I do. My mother used to do this when I was young, and it worked. I don't know if sometimes she lied to make me feel better. I don't think she did. But my mother would look at me and say, honey, everything's going to be all right. Now, I don't know how mama knew that everything was going to be all right, but she told me, and it worked. Whether or not everything was going to be all right, it worked. It made me feel. I just want sometimes, as a 56-year-old man, I, sometimes I want somebody to just come up and say, Chris, listen, it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. And if you can't even get that, it's amazing how you just struggle. I want to be pampered. But the reality is you may not get the first word of encouragement from anybody. Your parents will be silent, your children will be silent, your spouse will be silent, your boss is not going to help you, your best friend for some reason doesn't say anything, and even the pastor's not helping. And then worse yet, if you do try to get somebody, tell them what's going on, instead of listening, they'll say, oh, you think you got it bad, and then they'll, for 15 minutes, tell you how bad it's going for them. And I don't think they mean to do it. I think they may be ignorant of how you're really feeling right now. They just don't know. They may just be naturally insensitive people. There are some people that have absolutely no empathy. You know that, right? They may not be able to get into your world because they're too wrapped up in their own world. You can't always fault them. I mean, for Pete's sakes, Jesus is hanging on a cross and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. David wanted some pampering, but he didn't get it. So look in verse 4. He moaned, there is no one who acknowledges me. Here's the second thing I want. When I go through these times, I want a break. I just want a break. That poor woman I talked to yesterday, she needed a break. Her sister needed to step up and help her. It's her mother, too. Amen, Pastor. Just go ahead and say what we're all thinking, Pastor. Go ahead. I have a habit of that. I want sleep 
I want to sleep. I just want to be loved. I have a man cave. And, and when things get really, really bad, I found that sometimes I want to flee, but sometimes I want to freeze. And I just want to go in that man cave, shut the door, and I want to go in there and be left alone and just get away from it all. I want to break. I want to be outside because I don't know how you deal with things, but I have to go outside. My father said, you got to get the wind between your ears. It's one of my dad's favorite sayings. So I have to go outside. I have to get on my boat. If I can just get on that lake. Oh, Jesus got on the boat. I'm being like Jesus. It's Christ-likeness. When you get on the boat, and I named my boat Visitation, so if y'all want to know where the pastor is, he's out on Visitation. You think I'm kidding. I want to get in a deer stand. I want to get my gun out. I feel like Daniel Boone. Even if I don't see anything, I just feel like Daniel Boone out there. I used to want to get my golf clubs, but now I'm losing my sanctification over them. But the reality is sometimes you're not going to get away from it. Sometimes I don't want to fix any more problems. Sometimes I don't want to be consumed with some dire need or important issue. I just want to break. Sometimes, though, the boat stays in the storage and the guns remain in the safe and the golf clubs sit in the garage because too much is going on because responsibilities demand that you have to remain right where you are at your post. You're not getting a break. And here's the result. We get in situations in life and we feel like nobody cares. David said it. No one cares for my soul. Let me just, let me help you here. He's not having a pity party. This is not the, these are not the words of a, of a, a little man having a pity party. This is a tough dude, giant slayer. But he's at a low point. And listen, I don't care how big you are, how much money you have, what positions you have, how many people you know, everybody goes through this. He's telling the truth. No one cares about him. And you may feel like that right now, and it's a terrible feeling. It's a lonely feeling. It's a hopeless feeling. So he came to church to get answers. What's the answer? David found the answer. I think if he hadn't, it could have been detrimental. I don't know if we'd ever had a King David. I think we'd have had a Shepherd David. That's it. I don't know if we would have ever had a King David. There is a lesson there. Can I just flow right now? There, it's, I got stuff down my nose. There's a lesson there. If you want to be a king and you want to reign and you want to overcome and you want to be on top, sometimes you got to go through something and you got to learn to trust God. If you don't learn to trust God, you never get back to where you need to be and where he wants you to be. So in verse 3, David reminded himself that there was one hurt person who did care, and he said, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path, God. The thought that bolstered David's spirit and his emotions was the simple fact that God knew everything that was happening to him. And so I'm saying to you today, intentionally, very simply, because sometimes the greatest preaching is the simplest preaching. Sometimes the greatest words are the simplest words. And so I'm saying them to you today. Listen to me. I don't know what you're going through. Guys, preaching it today is going through some things. So this isn't theoretical. 
But I came here today to tell you God knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And you hear this preacher, this man of God, he cares about you. He cares about you. Yes, he does. He cares. Don't think he does it. If you feel like he doesn't, it's a lie. The devil's lying to you. Your mind's lying to you. It's not true. He cares about you. When when no one else seems to care, God cares. And he always cares. And he can't help but care. He's a very present help in your time of trouble. And I want you to hear some things this morning. He always listens when you pray, even when you feel like he's not hearing you and you're not getting any answers. That doesn't mean he's not listening. Okay? He sympathizes with you. He's not cold and heartless. He's a good, good father. He understands how you're feeling. He sees the tears streaming down your face. He sees and knows the anguish and the pain in your heart. And I want to get this picture painted across to you today. Please see this. When I say God cares, this is not some kind of passive emotion from God. Oh, God cares about me. No, God's care is an active care. It is a verb. He touches your heart with peace. He blankets your mind with assurance. He manifests his presence to you. He gives you divine power to enable you to endure one more argument, persevere through one more trial, overcome one more devil. And I can't help it. I'm spirit-filled Pentecostal, but sometimes he'll pray through you in the Holy Ghost. And that's the way he lets you know he cares. Verse 5, David said, look in your Bible. Verse 5, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge. You know what a refuge is, right? A refuge is where you go when the enemy comes. A refuge is where you go when the tornado approaches. A refuge is where you go when the floodwaters rise to keep you safe and secure. David said, in the middle of all that's happening, where I feel so alone and threatened and I have no help, I found out I'm not alone and there is help and I'm safe. Everything's going to be all right because I've got a refuge. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, y'all. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Don't you like that verse? That's a good one, isn't it? Psalm 55, 22. David said, I'm closing with this. David said, the righteous shall surround So you get it in your mind right now that whatever you're going through, you feel so alone. And I'm sorry that nobody, no human person is encouraging you, giving you help, giving you break. I'm sorry that you're going through that. But listen to me. God knows. God cares. Don't you shipwreck your faith. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you give up on God. You You know what I found? What I found is when you don't think you can make it and you don't feel like nobody's helping you, that God will just touch you and he helps you to do things and to be a person that you would not normally be on your own. Now, y'all, this is the third week I've talked about that man in that red tracker bass boat. You know, the funny thing is that man started coming to my church. That'd be great, wouldn't it? We'd have to have a little talk. Sorry, you made for a great sermon preaching. Sermon illustration. You know, I'm, I'm going through some things. When you go through some things, 
That's when you're vulnerable. That's when your temper's not, your fuse is short. That's when you make bad decisions. That's when you say things and you do things and then later you regret it. That's when things, and that old, that old, that old boy, Tony, you and I fished a lot through the years. I, I'm glad you weren't there that day. But I did good, Tony. You'd have been proud. But he came through. You just don't know. I mean, I'm a communicator. I wanted to communicate. And if I'd have communicated to him, it would have gotten ugly. And it would have gotten nasty. And it wouldn't have been good. It wouldn't, there wouldn't have been Jesus in it. And yeah, my luck is that dude will probably visit in my church the next Sunday. Honey, he looks so familiar. Oh, I know he is. We ain't coming back here. That'd been my luck. But since that event, three or four weeks ago, whatever now, I had a lot of time to think about that. I don't know, something got over me. It ain't something, it's someone. The Lord just helped me because if I would have done that, that all you know all that would have done? That would have just added one more negative thing to what I was already going through. Then I had that on my mind, that on my brain. And instead, I just looked back and I thought, you know, I... The good Lord just helped me. I just kept my mouth shut. I mean, that's a miracle. Like I said, I'm a communicator. Deacon, I'm just being honest over there. But I look back now and I said, I know who was helping me. I even started laughing. I started chuckling. What should have was really ticking me off all of a sudden got funny. Well, that's about how it's going right now. I could either let it make me mad or I could just laugh at it. So I laughed at it. You know what? Humor is a gift from God. My father is laying in the hospital right now. And yesterday had an episode with his heart. And sitting in an ambulance, if they hadn't shocked it, I wouldn't be here today because we'd be preparing for a funeral. But they shocked it and got it back in rhythm, and he's in the hospital right now. And in an ER room with my father going through what he's going through in these final stretch, in this final stretch, and we're living this every day. I've never been through this. I've walked with it through y'all, with y'all, but now it's my turn. We were still up there cutting jokes and telling stories, and, and I looked at Dad, and I said, Dad, Humor's the way we handle it, isn't it? He said, that's right, son. He said, you, get, you can't stop laughing. You just got to keep that humor. That's, that's the best way. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. I know you think nobody cares, but I'm telling you, God is there, and he's helping you, and you don't even realize how much he's helping you. Sometimes you have to come through the other side before you realize how much God is helping you. And you go, you know, I wasn't by myself after all. I mean, it sure would have been nice if somebody would have said, how you doing? I walk, you know, you, you, tell, you, you know, I walk, and I pray, and I, I pass other walkers in my neighborhood. How are you? I said, fine. They walked by. I said, I just lied. <laughs> I did. I said, 
I'm not fine, but you don't know me. You're just somebody in the neighborhood. You don't care. I just kept walking. Am I telling the truth or what? Let me, can I, give me five minutes and I'll finish this. The story ends awesome. I'm alone. Nobody cares. God cares. But it still sure would help to have some humans to come. And so I went back to 1 Samuel 22. And, and, and even David said this in the psalm. And for some reason, I didn't go back to it. So I don't have the psalm in front of me. So it's one of the verses. I, don't, I can't believe I did this. But one of the verses in the psalm, it says about the people of God. Who's got it? Somebody help me. Always go to the elder. What's it got? What does it say? One of those verses, elder. It says in there, oh, you got a small print Bible. What are you going to do that for? <laughs> yes, the righteous shall surround me. That's the last verse. Y'all see it? The righteous shall surround me. Who, who are the righteous? Y'all. Look at somebody say, we the righteous. We the righteous. David said, sooner or later, the people of God will come to my rescue. And you know that's exactly what happened? Let me show you how it started. He's in that cave all by himself, and you read 1 Samuel 22. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, here's what it says. His brothers in his father's house went down to the cave with him. Family members, listen to me. When one of your family members that you love is in a cave, get out of your house, get out of your business, get out of your schedule. I'm preaching now. I'm in your mess now. Get out of your schedule. Get out of your calendar. Block off time. Get out from your life. My God, I felt the Holy Ghost. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost all over me right now. And go down into the cave with that person who is your family. That's good preaching, isn't it? I'm too busy. No, you aren't. You're only busy because you're making yourself busy. I had lunch at Smoking Pig. I ate there twice this week. Y'all think I'm making up. I love barbecue. There will be a Smoking Pig in heaven? Please, Lord. And one of my longest Long-term friends in Anderson that don't that does not go to high praises. Never been here. His son is best friends with my oldest son, and, and he's an attorney in town, very well known, and he's and they're good friends of ours. We've been friends for years. He was in there eating by himself. You know why? Because his wife died a month or so ago, who was our good friend. And he came over and sat down, and I, I was eating. He was done. He said, you eat, and I'll talk. I said, I want to hear all about it, because we were on vacation. Killed us. We wanted to be here. Couldn't be. So, and he knew that. He's very gracious. He said, I know. And Jaron went representing us. But I said, sit down. Tell me all about it. And we sat there. I don't know how long we sat there, because we've been friends for 23 years. And we sat there, and we just talked. He told me how people are coming to where he's at, coming into his life, helping him. And he said, you know, when she was dying, I mean, this attorney is incredibly busy. 
he said, I could still work. But he said, I had to make arrangements where I could be with her. He said, I had some clients that said, we need you in court. He said, I won't be in court. I cannot commit myself to be in court because my wife may need me. That's going down to the cave. This not might be shouting preaching, but this preaching will help you with life. And his family rallied. When you go through a trial, that's not the time to have arguments and bring up the past and rip off scabs and and there's been these little tit for tat things. When when there's somebody's in the cave, you gotta learn, listen to me, you gotta learn to forgive and let it go and move past that and say those things don't really matter. There's some more serious there are way more serious things. All of a sudden those things that we made so big are stupid. And Bo right now and Barrett would say, Papa, that's a bad word. I told him it is for you, but not for me. Because there are stupid people in the world, and I need to talk about them. You don't say it. That's a bad grandpa, isn't it? That's the time to rally. I'm just preaching. Is this okay? And then here's, here's what First Samuel says, that later, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him in that cave, and he became captain over them. And that group of people who were also having cave experiences became the core of David's army. And I found that when you go through the cave experience, you're a whole lot more sympathetic and understanding when somebody else goes through it. So I need to close. I said five minutes, and I've probably taken eight. Last week, I challenged you to intercede for those who are in need. Do you all remember that? We talked about intercession. Have you all been praying for people besides? Have you all been doing that? Learning how to intercede, pray for people outside of who you normally pray for? Good. That's, that make, that's, that's maturing in your discipleship. If you've done that, I'm really proud of you. I have another challenge for you this week. Okay? Be aware of those in your life who are struggling in life. Be alert. Don't brush it off. Second, learn to listen. Counselors will tell you that 80% of counseling is listening. Y'all know the Bible says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That doesn't mean you got to go home and say, oh God, I just listened to everything she just said. Now I feel like it's me going through it. That's not bearing a burden. That's transference. You don't need that. Bearing a burden means I hear you and I'm listening, and I'm walking with you. I can't carry it for you, but Jesus can carry it for you. Cast all your care on him because he cares for you. You know, there's a, did you know there's a verse in the Bible in the Old Testament? I had to find it. I love it. My dad used to preach this, and I think it's one of the greatest things I'd never known if my dad hadn't preached it, and I love preaching. There is a verse in the Bible, Elder, that says he, he, he took his shoulder and he removed their shoulder from the burden. It doesn't say he removed the burden from their shoulder. It, he removed their shoulder from the burden. So what's the image? Pastor, Pastor Billy has the burden. 
But Jesus comes over and pushes Billy out of the way, and the burden moves from his shoulder to his so that Billy can stand up and say, thank you, Jesus, for I'm not caring anymore. You got this. Thank you, Lord. You got this. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Somebody needed that. You got to stand, stand. You bet we got to quit. Be alert. Li- learn to listen. Help somebody if you can. And you know what? This is the last point of this. I could just keep preaching a lot of things. Here's the thing the dude was in a cave, he's running for his life. But when people gathered around, he's a victim. He feels like a victim. He feels like he's running. He feels like life's after him. But when people came around him, and God and God will, God will send you people. I need to preach that. Just hang on. God will send you people. If you'll just hang on, he'll help you, and then he'll send you people, and they'll surround you. Here's what will happen. The strength of those people, they will work with you. And where you think, I can't make it, all of a sudden you have strength, you have support, you have encouragement. You'll rise up. And you'll move from being a runner back to being a fighter again. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.